Welcome to New Life Online. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is so good to be gathering together as the church. For some of you, this is amazing. You've wanted to for years to go to church in your pajamas, and it's mission accomplished right now. No matter where we gather, we are the church. No matter what we wear, no matter what it looks like, we are the church. But I gotta tell you this, I, I just gotta say it. This was totally unexpected. When I thought of 2020, this is not where I thought we would be. I even thought of asking for a refund from 2020, but I don't know where to get it. It's changed everything that we do. But here's what I know it hasn't changed. We are still the church. At New Life, we call it people becoming the church. Jesus talked about it in scripture and said it would be so powerful that even the gates of hell itself would not be able to overcome the church. And when Jesus' own words talked about the church, he wasn't talking about a building. He wasn't talking about an organization. He was talking about people. He was talking about me. He was talking about you. And Jesus talked about this church that nothing could overcome. And I think right now we're seeing a time where our world needs the church more than ever. Our communities, our neighborhoods, and even our homes need us to become the church. It's one of the most powerful things in all of the world, and we get to be a part of it on a daily basis. I've been so inspired by the stories that I've heard of people becoming the church, of hope breaking in where there is no hope, of light where there is darkness. It's been so incredible to see so many stories of people becoming the church. But I gotta tell you something. There's actually some things that I really, really miss. The first one is this, I miss people. I'm an extrovert. I love hugs, I love high fives, I love handshakes, and I miss all of that. I'm also a sports fan, and hopefully there's some sports fans out there as well, and so there's some things that I missed. I missed March Madness. This year, I was gonna watch as my favorite team, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, became the national champs, and I didn't get it. I'm also, don't judge me for this one, I'm a Mariners fan. I always have been, I always will be, and I miss watching the Seattle Mariners. But I've got great news. There's a blessing in every storm. The Mariners are undefeated this year. They haven't lost a game. It's incredible. I've never been able to say that after the first week of the season. And then this one, I'm kind of afraid to admit, and I never thought that I would. I miss the smell of Target. Some of you are like, wait, what did he just say? And others of you right now are like, I feel that on the deepest of levels. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't believe it. The other day I told my wife, I can't wait to go shopping with you at Target. I couldn't believe the own words coming out of my mouth. There's some funny things that I miss, but there's also some more serious things. I miss gathering together as the church. I'll just say it. I miss people. I miss the friends that I have. I miss my parents, my own family I haven't seen in over four months. I realize this in talking to people, there's things that we're actually all missing. I have a friend who's a pastor in North Carolina, and he posted a story about someone from his church. 
it's two elderly parents and they have an adult child that has disabilities that's in a care facility and they haven't been able to see him for eight weeks. They haven't been able to give him a hug. They haven't been able to give a handshake or an embrace. Every day, all that they're able to do is stand outside the window to where his room is and say hi. He has no idea, no understanding why they can't come in, why he can't have a hug, why they can't share their day together. I see stories of people experiencing different source of loss. Maybe it's vacation. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a party. For me, it hit close to home this last week. I have a daughter who had a birthday party. A birthday party that she had been planning for, for months. She'd been looking forward to it. She actually called it her unicorn birthday party. And Time Hop is an app on my phone that reminded me of last year's party. It reminded me in a picture, this is my daughter Kendall, and this is her setting up for her party last year that she was so excited for. This year we didn't have a party. Now we have incredible friends and they did a drive-by party and it was a special day, but our home wasn't filled. There weren't hugs as we came in and went out and I missed it. And I realized this, I heard this this week and it spoke to me so clearly, that we were built to be rivers and not reservoirs. That God has given us grace and God has given us love and we don't hold on to those things, we let those things flow through us. And my hope and my prayer this week is that I would live in such a way that I give love and grace to those that are closest to me. We're all in this together. We've never been through this. And so my prayer for you is the same. Would you be a river instead of a reservoir? And would you give out love and grace to those that need it the most? I want to pray for us and we're going to jump into the message. God, thank you for your grace and your love in our life. God, my prayer is that we would give that out to others more than ever in this season. As we look to a story of prayer, would illuminate for our life and change the way that we live and have conversation with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this series called Living on a Prayer, and it's a series about Bon Jovi. No, I just think that every time I hear the title, I get the song in my head and I want to sing it. But it's not about Bon Jovi, it's actually about this, powerful prayers in uncertain times. Prayer, it's something that we all know we should do, some of us don't know how, and some of us even struggle with the question, why? Even the disciples that followed Jesus, they asked the question, Jesus, teach us to pray. Whether we're brand new to faith or we've been following Jesus for decades, it's something that we want to do more of and that we want to relate to in our life. A new lifer wrote a prayer request that I think we can all identify with as we kicked off this series, and I want to share it with you. Said, Lord, I'm still new to talking to you. I'm not sure what true shameless prayer is. All that I can think is that if I find you, I might find my true purpose. Lord, this week, I want to ask help for praying out loud. Lord, let me be okay for asking for what I need and be okay to mess up and not be perfect and not have to be filled with shame. Lord, thank you for being my heavenly father. Thank you. And I pray again for peace in my soul and peace for our country. Amen. I love that line. Let me be okay asking for help and okay when I mess up. What a great posture for us all to have when it comes to our conversations with God. 
For all of us, no matter where we're at in our faith journey, we want to have a life of prayer. We want to have a life that's based on a foundation of conversations with God. And there's countless stories throughout the Bible of people who had powerful prayers in uncertain times. The Bible is full of them. This morning, we're going to dive into one that stuck out to me that I've always loved, even since the time I heard the story as a kid. For those of you that might be new to faith, you've probably even heard of this story as well. It's a story that we find in the Old Testament. It's a story about a guy named Daniel, or as I like to call him, the original Tiger King. Okay, that's not what anybody else calls him. You won't find that in your Bibles. And some of you have been watching way too much of this guy. But this guy named Daniel, there's a story in his life called Daniel in the Lion's Den. And inside of faith communities and even outside of it, it's a famous story that people actually know about. You would have heard about Daniel in the Lion's Den. And today we're going to jump there, but there's actually way more to the story. In the life of Daniel, we see a continued commitment to prayer and a continued commitment to faithfulness in God long before we see Daniel in the lion's den. We see that even at a young age, he had a life of prayer and a life of faithfulness. And so where we jump in here in Daniel chapter 6, it would actually make a great Netflix documentary. If it were to happen today, it would be can't miss moments. Because here's what happens. Daniel has been serving under King Darius, and he has gotten favor with King Darius to where he is his trusted advisor and over many other advisors. But those other advisors actually get jealous, and they try to come up with a way to trap Daniel, and the only way that they can think of is based upon his faith in God. So they go to the king, and they tell the king, you're so great, you should issue a law that says anyone who prays to anybody besides you for the next 30 days gets thrown into the lion's den, and the king signs it into law. That's the setting. Like I said, it's a dramatic setup to where Daniel, trusted advisor, people get jealous. The king signs this law, there's a punishment, and Daniel goes back home, dot, dot, dot. And here's where we pick it up. We pick it up in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. If there's something that sticks out to me from this verse, it's this line, just as he had always done. This was not something new in Daniel's life. This was not a new pattern. It was something that he had always done. So the decree gets signed. Daniel goes home and prays to God. Let's check out what the king's reaction is next. We find it in verse 16. Here's what it says. So at last, the king gave the orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I love this, that Daniel had a faith that even others recognized. Even others that might oppose him, even those that were his friends and close to him, recognized his faith. And so the law that was decreed, Daniel is now thrown into the lion's den, and we see what happens here in verse 19. The story continues. 
Daniel has found himself in the lion's den for the night, and it says very early the next morning, the king got up, and he hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, who you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions. Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel to be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in God. I love that. I love we see what happens here at the end of the story. We see where Daniel gives the praise to. He doesn't say, I did it, that I shut the mouth of the lions. He says, my God has shut the mouth of the lions. This story of Daniel in the lion's den, I think, draws more connection to our life right now than we care to admit. Maybe you feel like you are trapped. Maybe you feel this on a real level, and you're like, I feel like I am trapped with a lion in a den. And if you have toddlers, you really feel that way. You're like, I'd trade Daniel places right now. But we understand this. We're all facing situations that we feel trapped in. We understand what it's like to feel like Daniel did, where you're trapped in a situation with something that you can't overcome, with something that has brought fear into your life, with something where you feel like you cannot escape. And when Daniel was in that moment, here's what he did. He prayed. When Daniel found himself in a situation he couldn't overcome, that he didn't know what to do, where did he turn to? He turned to prayer with God. And it's what you and I should do in our lives as well. And we see in the life of Daniel, here's what we see. We see him pray prayers that shut the mouths of lions. In my life, that's the kind of prayers that I want to pray. Prayers that can shut the mouths of lions that I would live a life so filled with prayer, not because I'm great, but because of the God that I pray to. And so this morning, I think there's three things in Daniel's life of what he does in prayer that you and I can do. They're prayers that shut the mouth of lions. The first one was this, he had consistent prayer. His life was built on a life of prayer. It was consistently a part of his life life. You see, in our life, faith does not come by what we do occasionally, but what we do consistently. I don't know about you, but when it comes to working out, I want to work out one day or eat one good meal and see results. But that's not how faith works. That's not how faith builds. It's built by what we do consistently. And Daniel had a life of consistent prayer. I love what I read in the book, and it's by Frederick Nitschke. He said this, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. And in there results, as has always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. We find in consistency a life worth living. And in the life of Daniel, it's a life of ours as well. I would encourage, would we pray before we need to? Would we pray before we're asking for something? And this morning I said I was going to lean in that question. Well, tell me why. James 5.16 says this, the fervent or the earnest or the consistent prayer 
of a faithful person is powerful and produces wonderful results. When we pray, what it does is it takes us in that relationship with God that we were built and designed for. It gives us communication with God. And why do we pray consistent prayers? Because someday we'll need to. What other kind of prayers shut the mouths of lions are courageous prayers. In my life, there's been some times when I have had some courageous prayers. And maybe for you, it sounded like this. God, help. We've all prayed a prayer like that. I remember some of my most courageous prayers. They happened when I was in fifth period pre-algebra and I hadn't studied for the test. I want you to know I called down Holy Spirit fire and I made promises with God that I am not proud of as a 13-year-old in fifth period pre-algebra. God, I didn't study a bit, but if you'd help me out on this, I promise I'll serve you forever. I wonder when along the way in my life did I stop praying courageous prayers. Maybe you've noticed in your own life that you've stopped praying courageous prayers. My prayers sometimes become checking off the box. God, today, would you be with me? Would you be with my family? Help there be no traffic engorst in Jesus' name, amen. And that's my prayer life. I have a great relationship with my brother, and this year in 2020, he started a journal of his prayers because he had noticed the same thing. And this year, he's journaling the courageous prayers that he's asking of God in his life, and his faith and relationship with God has grown more than ever in this season simply because of the way that he changed what he was actually asking for. It's not what the early church did. They didn't just do prayers to pacify. They didn't pray prayers that were just to check the box. If you read the early church, they were so emboldened by the Holy Spirit that even when they were arrested and put in prison, when they got out, they didn't pray, God, keep us safe. They prayed, God, give us boldness. Their prayers were filled with courage. And I look back to that same question, why? Why can your prayer, why can my prayer be filled with courage? And the reason is simple. It's not my prayer, it's who I'm praying to. When I pray, it's not about the eloquence of my prayer or using the right words. It's who I'm praying to. And when I pray, I'm praying to the God of the universe who through his very words formed the heavens and the earth, the entire cosmos whose breath lives in my lungs. That's the God that I pray to that knows every hair on my head that is forever past, forever future, and forever present that is all powerful, all knowing, and all loving. When I pray, that's why I pray courageous because of who I'm praying to. Courageous prayers shut the mouths of lions. And the third thing that shuts the mouths of lions are prayers that actually give up or release control. For some of you, you love to be in control. Maybe, I, I wouldn't say this out loud, but maybe you're a little bit of a control freak. This situation has to be the worst. Here's what I'm realizing about myself. I like control more than I thought I did. For my wife, she's just like, I wish there was a day when it was over so I could feel like I could start to plan. So whether you're a planner or you like control, we're in a situation where we can't do either. And maybe that's exactly where God wants us. I've realized I like control more than I thought that I did. I like to control when and where I go. I like to control my schedule. And I'm in a season where I can't do that, but maybe that's exactly where God wants me. 
in a place where I'm willing to say, God, I give up my control and I give it to you. Many of us struggle with stress and anxiety because of the things we can't control. And I love it said this way, that you can either pray or worry, but you can't do both. I love this statement that I heard as well, is God can do more with your prayer than he can with your control. Sometimes when I don't pray about something, I'm essentially saying, God, I got this one. God, I'm good. I know how to handle this. I don't need you. But what prayer says, it says, God, I'm not in control. You are. And I release that control to you. You see, prayers that we don't pray actually lead to us getting eaten by the lions. But when we make prayers to God, when we release control, those are what shut the mouths of lions. And so we do things in which we give up our control when we actually pray to God. You see, because prayer releases control. Why do we do that? Why would we release our control to God? And my answer on this one, I look to the Gospels. I look to the story of Jesus. We follow his example. And Jesus himself had a moment when he had to give up his control. When he had to surrender what he wanted to what God's will was. And we find it in Mark chapter 14. Jesus' own words, and here's what he's going to say. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. It's a prayer of releasing control. It's a prayer that shuts the mouths of lions. Not my will, but yours be done. For me, God, not my schedule, but your will be done. Not my vacation, but your will be done. Not my financial plan, but your will be done. It's in that that we surrender our control to God and we say, your will be done. My question that I want to leave you with today is this. Where do you need to give up control? Where is it in your life that you've been holding on so tightly to that you just need to let go of and give God control this morning? For some of you, it might be the first time in your life you're going to do that. And today is the time that you say yes to following Jesus. You give up control of your life and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Would you forgive me of my sins? I put my trust and my hope in you. For many of us, we need to give that control to God. Maybe for you, it's consistent prayer. And you need to establish that rhythm and that lifestyle of prayer. Maybe it's courageous prayer that your prayers need to become bold and courageous because of the God that you pray to. And for all of us, I think we have prayers of giving up control. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we come to you with needs and wants and our own plans and our own thoughts. But God, where we come is we come to you. And we want to pray just as Jesus did, just as Daniel did. We want to pray consistent prayers. We want to pray courageous prayers and prayers that give up control. And so God, right now, I pray that you would lead and guide our lives in these uncertain times. God, I pray that we would lean into you and those areas we've been holding on to, we would give control to the God who loves us, created us, and has good plans for our life. And so God, we pray to you, would you lead and guide our life? In 
in Jesus' name.